Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our first round predictions in the Western Conference. Of course, we mentioned in the last episode, playoffs start August 17th, and we just found out that the Portland Trailblazers have locked in the eighth seed and they will take on the number one seeded Los Angeles Lakers. Honestly, we just saw a great matchup between the Blazers and the Grizzlies. And I know Drake has a new song out called Laugh Now, Cry Later. I mean, that song was an absolutely great song, which kind of represents the Portland Trail Blazers. An absolutely great Drake song. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, on the other hand, very sad. A lot like Marvin's Room, you know? <laughs> Hey, yo. It's a great song. But listen, in all seriousness, props to the Memphis Grizzlies. They had a great bubble experience. John Morant went off in this game. I guess how you how you see the Portland Trailblazers faring against the Lakers? Do you think that it's an upset? The whole league better put this as upset alert, to be honest with you. I mean, Damian Lillard has been playing out of his mind this entire bubble uh, just got news that he is the basically the bubble MVP. CJ McCollum has been somebody who's been a great secondary scorer for them. I mean, practically since he became a, a major factor for the Blazers, but definitely throughout this bubble has stepped up big in their push towards the playoffs. Yusuf Nurkic, I feel like is going to be a big X factor in any playoff series, but especially this one, considering the late, that the Lakers have a ton of bigs to throw at them starting with Anthony Davis and looking down the line with guys like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. So I feel like this team is really well put together and having other like sneaky scorers like Gary Trent Jr., who we love on this podcast, and Carmelo Anthony, who has pretty much been a really clutch player down the stretch for this team, dare I say. I mean, even in this game against Memphis, hit one really clutch three down the stretch, including a couple, a handful of free throws to kind of seal the game. I mean, this team looks scary. It almost kind of feels like destiny that they fought themselves all the way up to this spot. And now the Lakers, who are not very great in the guard department, have to go against, I mean, dare I say, the best, if not the second best, guard duo in the league I mean it's gonna look like a knockout drive down type of fight to me and the Blazers are very battle tested in this in this bubble which kind of makes me want to favor them where do you stand on all this I have to agree and I think the Blazers not only will defeat the Lakers in seven games but like I said in a previous episode Damian Lillard will hit the game winning series clinching three-point shot to send the Lakers or send the Blazers to the semifinals over the Los Angeles Lakers. I tell you, Jalen, this is a competitive team ready to upset the number one seed in the Western Conference. I have to say, I don't think the, the Lakers are the best one seed. I think maybe they're one of the worst one seeds in playoff history, I guess, outside of the 1999 Miami Heat. I just think watching the Blazers game today, 
something that really stuck out to me was CJ McCollum, who dropped 29 points. And then I heard earlier in the game that he had a fractured vertebrae. So you're telling me he dropped 29 points on a fractured vertebrae? That's a bad man right there. Exactly. And I think – I feel like there's more to come from a guy who should be considered an all-star. I got to say, this was the Yusuf Nurkic show. 21 and 20. He had 15 and 17 at the half. The Blazers are one of the best teams right now. Damian Lillard is a bubble MVP for a reason. I think the Lakers aren't going to, to fare well in the playoffs because – they don't have the one thing that the Blazers have, which is Damian Lillard. Scored 154 points in three games. That's pretty impressive to me. I just think that, you know, outside of LeBron and AD, there's not a lot of scoring on this team. And I think the Blazers have that scoring that the Lakers don't have. I think right now the Blazers win in seven games, like I said. And – I just think the Blazers really favored in the guard matchup. The Lakers are slightly favored in the bigs matchup because I think they, because they have Anthony Davis, but I think the Blazers are going to be a team to watch out for. Maybe one of the greatest eight seeds we've ever seen. So I just think we'll find that out once, once they play the Lakers. I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, they're a team that should scare everyone because of the fact that this is an eight seed that win healthy would have never even sniffed the back end of this play-in. This is a team that went at full strength, would not even have been in consideration to need to have to participate in the play-in game that we saw, regardless of how amazing the play was. Now, I have to lean with you on this one, that Upstart Alert is in full effect, and Portland Trailblazers are at the forefront of that. I think that they win in seven games as well, but I think my biggest thing to take away from it actually comes in a two-parter. The first thing is looking at their history with the Lakers so far this season in terms of how they matched up. There's only been one game. It was their first matchup on December 6th where they lost 136-113. to 113. That's the only convincing win that the Lakers have had over Portland this season. Otherwise, there was a game on December 28th, Portland lost by eight points. It was 128 to 120. On January 31st, the game was Portland, who actually came on top, 127 to 119. So the series right now is two to one in favor of the Lakers. But when you consider the point differential between them in those games, there was only one game that really truly stood out in terms of the Lakers being dominant. And that doesn't even throw in the asterisks that this Portland team has not been healthy all year which means the fact that they're at full strength and have basically been able to cover when it comes to dealing with the Lakers in two out of the three matchups that they had, essentially breaking even if you take out the 136 to 113 loss, they're one and one. And those games have been basically within 10 points in terms of the score. I mean, we're talking about Portland being red hot. We're talking about them being at full strength and they're playing with purpose. So I feel like it would be kind of crazy to see them finally earn the first round matchup against the Lakers, the matchup that I feel like the whole world has kind of been in dire need of for this playoffs in the Western Conference first round, and them just kind of fold over and get LeBron James in five or six games. I think this goes to seven, and Dame Dollar does his thing and puts them over the top and sends them to the second round. LA got a quick trip home back to the West Coast. Speaking of Los Angeles, we got to focus on the other team, the Clippers. 
the two seed as they take on the seventh seeded Dallas Mavericks. So Dallas is a fairly young team. I mean, Luka Doncic, Chris Asporzingis, that's who they're building their team around. How do you feel like Luka Doncic and Chris Asporzingis are going to fare in this series? Because this is their first playoff series together. I mean, this is their first playoff series ever. I mean, it's hard to tell, but this is Luka's second year in the league. It doesn't feel like it because he's so he's been so extremely elite. But it is, and it's his first time in the playoffs. I've said this in the past, and I'm going to continue to reiterate it. Christos Porzingis was on the New York Knicks. He's never sniffed the playoffs until this season. These are two guys who don't really know what that atmosphere is like. And granted, there's no fans, but the atmosphere of the playoffs is that way regardless if you have 1,000 people, 10,000 people, or no people on those sidelines. So as far as I'm concerned, this is going to be rough for them. I mean, the Clippers have outmatched Dallas in all three matchups that they played against them so far this year, winning relatively handily in all three of the matchups. This team is extremely deep. The Clippers have only gotten deeper as the, as the season kept progressing in terms of getting guys like Reggie Jackson, obviously Landry Shamet getting more and more time um, as the games go along. I think the big X factor in terms of uh, the Clippers is obviously going to be Montrezl Harrell's production. We haven't seen him at the bubble at all. And he's a guy that big rim protector, big producer, big reason why the Clippers are the Clippers. And on top of that, a leading candidate for six man of the year and for good reason. So his availability is going to be huge for this team. But I feel like regardless I mean, coming into the season, we saw the Clippers and we looked at their wing play and we saw Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly. And we thought it was some reincarnation of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Ron Harper on 96 feet of pure defense. And I want no problems with that. And unfortunately, the Dallas Mavericks have to deal with all those problems for a bare minimum of four nights. Luka's a great player, but... I don't think they get seven. They don't. They don't get a seven-game series against a Clippers team like this that just has way too much firepower and even way, even way more defense to kind of cover up any holes. Yeah, I think my X factors in this series are Luca and Chris Porzingis. I did mention earlier this is their first time in the playoffs together, but this is also their first time in the playoffs individually. Chris Porzingis was never going to go to the playoffs if he stayed in New York. I just think that it wasn't going. To, it's not going to happen. Luca now as a second-year player will surely make a difference in how well Dallas does in the playoffs. But in the resumed season, in the bubble, they haven't been looking too good. They've lost. They lost a lot of close games, and Luca's been putting up some great performances. But I think as a team, they have to step up together. And when you think of team. There is no better team than the Los Angeles Clippers right now. Obviously, yes, they are the second seed. But if you look up and down this roster, it's filled with guys who can contribute. Of course, the main two are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two excellent basketball players, excellent defenders, excellent shot makers, excellent players overall. Then you have guys like Lou Williams, guys like Landry Shamet, guys like Patrick Peterson or Patrick Patterson. And then you also have guys like Reggie Jackson. Who are you going to turn to if you need a big shot? My money's on Lou Williams, but it mm-hmm. could be anyone, honestly. 
you did bring up Montrezl Harrell, and I feel like, yes, Montrezl Harrell's production is definitely a question mark, maybe even like a wild card, to say the least, because we haven't seen much of him in this bubble. I think, yes, when he's on the floor, he's a great contributor, especially on the defensive side. So, honestly, I think we're just going to have to see what happens with how Montrezl Harrell makes his impact in the playoffs. I just think right now the Clippers are the favorable team. I don't see Dallas taking it to seven games. I see the Clippers winning this in six handily. Simple take. Agreed. Clippers in six. So I think this series is going to be more competitive than the uh, Clippers-Mavs series. And we're talking about the Denver Nuggets against the Utah Jazz, the three seed and the six seed. Now, Utah has had, has had some issues with Bojan Bogdanovich not being there, Rudy Gobert's consistency on the floor, Donovan Mitchell's being a superstar. Mike Conley was off to a slow start at the beginning of the season. Now he's starting to pick it up. Denver's had some injury issues. There's a lot of question marks surrounding both these teams, Jalen, and I have to ask, who do you see winning this series? So I have to be honest and lean the way that's probably not the favorable one and go towards the Utah Jazz Genuinely, I feel like on a star-to-star basis, I would definitely take Nikola Jokic over Donovan Mitchell, regardless of Donovan Mitchell's ability to grow, especially being a primary ball handler. Nikola Jokic is a different type of dude when it comes to that center position. His ability to distribute the ball, shoot the three, see plays before they develop, hit big buckets down the stretch. These are all things that you want in a great player, and especially if you can get it in a great center. But I think the big thing for Utah is their ability to get consistent contribution from the others, the Mike Conleys of the world, the Joe Ingles of the world, the Jordan Clarksons of the world, the Royce O'Neals. These are guys who I feel like genuinely, when you get good nights from them, they're essentially great nights for the team because the overall output for the team is so significant that they tend to win a lot more often than they tend to lose. I think, of course, the biggest thing with this series is really just going to come down to the others. I feel like in Denver's cases, does Gary Harris put up more than 14 points per game like his regular season average is? Is Michael Porter Jr. truly the guy we saw in the, in the seeding bubble games? Or is this just a guy who got hot in an eight-game stretch? Is Jeremy Grant somebody that they truly want as a regular rotational player? Is Bull Bull going to get some minutes in the playoffs? Like, these are all things that you have to ask when it comes to either one of these teams in terms of what the others are going to do. And I feel like that's going to be a big factor. But I feel like Utah's others have had more experience being the other had more experience in the playoffs and had more experience in terms of needing to step up when the moment is brightest. And that's kind of why I have Utah winning in seven is because I think the supporting cast of Utah knows its role a lot better than Denver knows its role. And although both teams have had a very lackluster return to the NBA season, I just feel like Utah is still a lot more built for a deep run than the Nuggets, who I feel like still have a lot of growing to do. I have to take the different round on this one. I say this series goes to seven games, but in favor of Denver. I think 
losing out on Bojan Bogdanovich, obviously it was due to injury, but losing out on him nonetheless is definitely going to hurt this team down the stretch. I think guys like Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal would need to pick up the load that Bojan Bogdanovich normally has. And I think having a guy like Bojan Bogdanovich, who's an incredible player on both sides of the floor, has great is great on the perimeter, great on the mid-range, definitely can defend on the perimeter as well. I think losing out on a guy like him is definitely something that you can't replace. You get you need other guys to step up, like Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal. And yes, Ingles has stepped up in a lot of these situations, but I'm more or less concerned on how they're going to fill the load in the play or how they're going to carry the load in the playoffs for Bojan Bogdanovic. There's no question that Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. Mike Conley's starting to get his game back a little bit after you said, you know, he missed the first 10, 10 or 11 threes in the season. And then Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. I mean, this is an underrated player who's played with guys like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. He has a lot to prove. And I think, yes, on a team with a lot of playoff experience, they should be the favorable team. However, I see Denver as the favorable team in this one. And I think the big matchup is where I'm looking towards because of Nikola Jokic versus Rudy Gobert. I see Nikola Jokic winning this matchup. And I think the other bigs that they have, like Bull Bull and Michael Porter Jr., I think they're just going to solidify the fact that Denver is a team that's all about their bigs. Obviously, yes, they've had health issues with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Will Barton. They've also had some decent play from Gary Harris and Jamal Murray has stepped up for most of the games this year and including inside of the bubble. But honestly, I think this is going to rely on a guy like Michael Porter Jr. to see if he can keep up the hot streak that he's had for the past eight games, how Bull Bull is going to fare. I know he's only, he hasn't really played this season. So it's more or less about proving himself and why, you know, teams regret not picking him sooner because he was picked in the second round. It's more or less just how, how you prove yourself if you're a bull bull. Not saying that the Utah Jazz don't have a future, but I have to say that for right now, I think things are really starting to click for the Denver Nuggets, and I have to lean in that direction. I mean, obviously your X factors in MPJ and bull bull are huge, and I mean, if they give huge contribution, then I have to lean back on my, on my take and – really give a give the Nuggets a good look and say, I mean, if they're getting that type of production from their bigs outside of Nikola Jokic, I mean, dude, <laughs> nobody wants to mess with a three-headed lineup like that with the ability to score just from those three alone, let alone having someone like Jamal Murray who can get hot from three, Gary Harris, who is a very nice contributing scorer when he's on his game. Will Barton is another guy who more or less tends to catch fire during the playoffs from three. These are a lot of what-if scenarios. Like I said before, I think this series will come down to the others. I think that the supporting cast are just going to have to show us which one can outlast the other. Yeah, and I have to agree. And that's actually a good transition to our final series in the first round of the Western Conference, the fourth-seeded Houston Rockets against the fifth-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder. There's a lot of interesting pieces coming into play here with both of these teams. Of course, the big one consists of Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul. These two teams swapped point guards, essentially, uh, in the offseason. And honestly, this is I, – I could say that they've worked out 
pretty well for both their teams. I mean, Russell Westbrook's putting up some great numbers. Chris Paul can prove he can still play after being pretty much on the trading block for the entire season. So, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. The Oklahoma City Thunder have become a dark horse in the season. So I have to ask, though, because these two teams are very competitive, and there's a lot of history between these two teams as well. Mm-hmm. How do you see this series faring? I mean, if it's not obvious already when you look at the entire playoff standings, both Eastern and Western Conference, to me personally, I feel as though that this is the third most interesting series in the postseason so far. I mean, obviously, I think that the first one would be L.A. versus the Trailblazers in the first round, the 1-8 matchup, because Damian Lillard has literally taken over the internet and LeBron James is on the other team. So that matchup by itself is already going to get a lot of intrigue from NBA fans. The other one is obviously going to be probably a very low-key one, but a one that has enough of a history to the point that I feel like we'll see a great series. And that's the Indiana Pacers versus the Miami Heat, pretty much stemming from the fact that TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler have a beef that we want to see settled. And then the third one is Houston and the Oakley versus uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I think the big thing about this is just the fact that you have one team in the Thunder who had a 0.03% chance coming into the year of making the playoffs. Everyone assumed they would clean house, trade guys like Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Steven Adams, maybe even try to put Andre Roberson on the block and see if someone would pick him up. This was a team that we weren't sure what they were going to look like this season, kept everything together, and played themselves into the fifth seed in the Western Conference. Then you look at the Houston Rockets, who might have the most pressure in the playoffs right now besides what maybe the Lakers and the Clippers and probably Milwaukee to win the championship this year. I mean, the Rockets have James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has not won a first-round series since KD left. James Harden has probably still has PTSD from making the Western Conference Finals a few times in the last five years and running into the juiced-up Golden State Warriors each year, which no one's going to fault you for falling to the Warriors. But nonetheless, you had somebody in your way that you couldn't get past to be able to reach the true goal, which was an NBA championship. So when you look at the, the contrast between the team with the most expectation and one of the teams with the least amount of expectation in the playoffs, the matchup is honestly excellent when you line up the storylines between the fact that they swapped players as well. Because when you look at it overall, everybody has something in stake in the matchup, which is going to make it extremely competitive. Now, with all of that being said, that is exactly why I believe that the Thunder are going to win the series in seven. I believe that the pressure of being able to make it to the finals is going to be a lot for Houston. Houston is going to be entering this this matchup without Russell Westbrook, at least for game one, if not potentially game two as well. James Harden will be the sole lead guard, sole producer for this team, which is a very different look for this team, considering the fact that since they transitioned to small ball, Russell Westbrook has literally been more of the lead type because it's given them a lot more space to work. This team is going to look completely different for at least a game or two, which is really all that the Thunder need in order to shift momentum in their favor. I think that CP3 is not trying to go out in the first round again like he has a historical 
you know, track record of not being able to make it either past the first round or past the semifinals. I think that Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder are a great guard combo with CP3, which is huge. And, you know, Dylan, Danilo Gallinari continues to just average 19 points under the sea while nobody is paying him any mind, but then tends to catch everyone's attention once he bites your team in the butt. So I think that this team is extremely dangerous. And despite being a five seed who may, may not have even been in the playoffs had they made some of the moves we thought they were going to, this is a team that probably would be a potential upset alert squad no matter who they face in the first round. I mean, unfortunately, Houston has to see him first to test my theory out. I think what you're saying is true, and I feel like the Thunder have a great chance of winning this. Here's the thing, though. The streak for Chris Paul is going to continue. I feel like he doesn't make it out of the first round. James Harden has been playing like an MVP, even though I feel like he won't win the MVP. I just think that, yes, Russell Westbrook being out for those first couple games, that's going to hurt the Rockets. But I have to say, we need other guys to step up. Mm-hmm. Cue Eric Gordon. Cue Robert Covington. One guy who shoots threes like it's no tomorrow. The other guy who plays defense like he's a top three defender in the league. Is there anything else that you really want more? I mean, yes, two guys, two guys who aren't their top guys on the team. But they're going to need to step up in the place of Russell Westbrook. And I feel like, yes, James Harden has to take the load on this one. He's got to carry the scoring load. Russell Westbrook, when he returns, I feel like he can take this team to another level. It's more just about how these two gel together in the playoffs. And we haven't seen them play in the playoffs in eight years since the, since the finals against the Miami Heat. So I think that's definitely something to watch and seeing how, yes, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, two former MVPs, gel together on the floor. So I think also, you mentioned Danilo Gallinari, who I thought was a trade piece to begin the season. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yes, he's a trade piece, but you got to keep this guy around. I mean, he shoots buckets. I think the other thing, too, listen, Dennis Schroeder's up for sixth man of the year. He may win it. I think it's going to depend on how well he plays in this series, considering we haven't seen much of Lou Williams in this resumed season at all. I think Shea Gale, just Alexander, too. He's, he's the youth of this team. The way he can get it done on the floor, I think he may bear some of the scoring on this uh, series just because, yes, Chris Paul's a floor general. Danilo Gallinari plays his best basketball on the perimeter. I think she is going to have to take over. And I think that's, what, that's what's going to have to happen in order for the, for the Thunder to win. I'm taking the Rockets in this series, though, and I say seven games. James Harden being a former MVP, can he gel well with Russell Westbrook, another former MVP? That's, that's a question that we're going to have to see answered, I guess, once Westbrook returns, hopefully for game two or game three in this series. So I think, yes, we'll see what happens. I have to go with the Rockets in seven, though. I mean, like I said earlier, I have to go with the Thunder in seven, and I would say that my X factors for them in order to truly be able to win that series is one, Steven Adams, who we haven't mentioned a lot of so far. And I think it's going to be based off his ability to capitalize on his matchup with P.J. Tucker. 
I feel like that center position for them is going to be huge because if they can score from there and get a lot of production down low, they'll be exploiting what we would consider to be the Rockets' biggest weakness. The second would probably be being able to see a guy like Darius Baisley off the bench give the type of production that we've seen in these last couple of bubble games. Last three bubble games, he's given us at least 20 points. I mean, if he can be another wing scorer for them, especially with the fact that I don't think we're going to see, see Lugas Dort, who was getting a lot of start, um, a lot of starting minutes and unfortunately went down, possibly was one of their better defenders. I think he was the one playing a, a, a lot of the primary defense on some of the top wings throughout this bubble. With the fact that Andre Roberson is still relatively limited, considering he just got back after what is considered probably a way longer hiatus than what we've thought this whole coronavirus thing is. He's been out for two years and has only gotten really this bubble to truly experience being back on the basketball court. I wouldn't say that he's top notch in terms of being ready to be an elite defender again and losing Lugas door on top of that is going to be, you know, a big blow. So the Thunder's ability to hang in the scoring department is going to be huge for me. I feel like we already know that we under, we already know and understand CP three can put the ball in the bucket. Shea Gilgis Alexander can put the ball in the bucket. Dennis Schroeder is somebody who can definitely contribute as a scorer. Danilo Gallinari, need we say more about him considering so much that we've already praised him for. But I have to feel like another guy specifically at that wing position, like Darius Baisley, giving them another scoring option is going to be what allows them to hang. This is not really one of those series that I think is going to be very defensive. I see a lot of 115 plus scoring nights for both teams. And I genuinely think that the third scoring option for each team will determine the series. And I just feel like the third man on third man down, whether it be Dennis Schroeder, whether it be Dennis, uh, whether it be uh, a Darius Baisley or even Steven Adams, or I mean, even Danilo Gallinari, what, no matter who you get as that third option, I feel like is a better and potentially more consistent third option than anybody that Houston may have. So that kind of leads to our question of the day, because I feel like there's two guys who have the most pressure in this series to step up, and that's Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. But our question of the day is, which player from the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder do you believe has the most pressure? Is it Chris Paul or is it Russell Westbrook? This was a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple or wherever you get our podcast. And of course, most importantly, rate our podcast five stars. Thank you guys for a great episode today, and we'll see you guys next episode. Peace.